and welcome back to SEMA's podcast, Y'all Ready for This, where we talk about all things emergency preparedness to make sure that you and your family are ready for any type of natural or man-made disaster right here in Chatham County. This week, you guys, my usual co-hosts are my subject matter experts. I know they are excited. Jada, Sakili, welcome to your first official like subject matter expert podcast. Yay. I'm excited. <laughs> They sound real excited listeners, but I I promise they are ready for it and they are going to do awesome. Listeners, welcome to National Preparedness Month. We are talking all things emergency preparedness this month. This week, we are focusing on youth preparedness and we've got some questions that my ladies are just dying to answer. I already know it. Let's get off and start with when we talk about children preparing or we say that a child should prepare. What exactly does that mean? Oh, when a child should prepare for an emergency or disaster, it means for them to be able to get whatever they feel like is needed, whatever essential items that they feel that they may need, whether they have to shelter in place or evacuate, it's just very important. And having those things ahead of time would just mitigate them scrambling at the last minute, trying to figure out, okay, what is it that I'll need? All right, very short, succinct. I like that, Jada. Thank you very, very much. All right, Sakili, I have a feeling this one's gonna go to you. What is a youth preparedness kit? Well, a youth preparedness kit is kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's an emergency kit designed for a young person, by that young person. Um, It's usually supposed to be a portable kit that holds essentials for about three days. All right, I like it. Why in the world do children need a youth emergency kit? And what in the world is it used for data? Children need an emergency kit because if there's any a disaster, what is it that you have? So things like a supply of water, first aid kits. For little kids, maybe even their favorite toy or favorite book is very important. If you're traveling on the road and you're gonna be in and out of hotels room possibly, what is it that is going to keep you sane, keep you entertained while the news is telling you about whatever storm is out? Or perhaps if you're in the house and power goes out and then there's no power at different grocery stores or restaurants, do you have the snacks that you like? Do you have the things that you may feel like you need in the house when you're bored and there is no electricity? So those things are just extremely important to make sure that you pack inside of your emergency kit in case of an emergency or disaster. Jada, you hit the nail on the head there. I have an almost two-year-old and if I did not have the ability to watch Coco Melon or I did not have a toy or I did not have some cheeses, she would need to come stay with you, Jada, because she did not, <laughs> she did not stay with me. No, 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 no. no That's no, what no. she tells me. No, no, no. <laughs> so those are definitely things that you would want to have included in your emergency kit. So I really appreciate that insight. So Sakili, what are some other things that children can add into their emergency kit that might be beneficial or helpful? Jada did a great job of introducing this. So things like comfort items, like toys, Uh, You could also pack blankets. Chargers are really important or portable batteries, especially if you're a very technological young person who likes the cell phone or Kindle or other smart device. So bring backup batteries for that. Uh, The snacks of your preference, not everything that goes in an emergency kit, like the ones that you buy online are exactly fun to eat. A lot of ready to eat meals. 
And anything else that you can think of that you would need if you were away from home and you couldn't go back maybe just for a little bit? Yeah, so I think those are fantastic things to, to add on to what Jada had already mentioned. And, you know, I think excellent point, backup batteries. I mean, if you are about to run out of juice on that phone and that is the only thing keeping your toddler ready to go, you better have a backup in place. And make sure that you charge it regularly. Don't think that just because it's sitting in your emergency kit in the closet, you're going to be fine for a year. Those things run out of juice very, very, very quickly. Ask me how I know. All right. So uh -huh. let's talk about home evacuation routes, understanding how to get out of your home in a quick fashion. Jada, why is that important for your child to understand some of that? So home evacuation, evacuation routes, excuse me, are extremely important because if there is a fire, which is typically what we may train our children for, how are you getting out of the house? Um, personally, in my home, we have a key in every room that sits on, like it's nailed onto the wall because our windows are locked. So we have that key to be able to unlock the window and pull it up if need be in case of a fire. And you want to make sure that you're always telling your kids um, each, each window that may open in case there's a fire and you need to get the farthest away from it. Or let's say a flood and it starts flooding and it gets above the knees or it gets to the chest. How are you going to get out of the house? And I say, even if you have to figure out how to get on top of the roof, all of these things are important for you to try to um, you know, explain to your children so that they'll know any type of disaster could possibly happen, event could happen inside of the house. So what are all of the exit zones that children need to know, whether it's a door, it's a window, or whatever it is. Some people can get really creative. You can knock out a wall or something like that to be able to tell your children how to get out. You know, a lot of kids have a tendency when they're scared or when they're nervous to kind of find tight corners. And that can be really, really dangerous when it comes to a fire or flood the two perfect examples that you just mentioned. So talking with them about how to get out and kind of empowers them. You think, Jada, is that kind of the point there? Yes, definitely. All right, I like it, I like it. All right, so what are some ways that you can help prepare your child to ask for help during an emergency situation? That's a really good question and one of my favorite ones so far. So a really good way to do so is to just go ahead and practice something that we used to do at my house when I was a young person way back in the day um, was my mom would put up uh, post-it notes of her phone number and my father's phone number on the wall and she would walk through memorizing with us so that if you were lost or we were lost or away from home, we would be able to call one of our parents if we had to ask a stranger for our cell phone for their cell phone. And another good way is to really practice a scenario where you might be in trouble with your child or if you're a child watching with your parents and just walk through it. What would you do? How would you ask for help? And what authorities would you call if necessary if you were at home? What emergency numbers do you need to know? Another thing that was on the fridge or on the wall in my house when I was a young person was the number for poison control and also the non-emergency number for the local police department just in case there was something that didn't quite qualify for a 911 call. So practice some scenarios, memorize important phone numbers like for a grandparent or mom or dad or grandma and um, just get ready. All right, very good, very good information. I like this idea of role-playing. Kids always find a way to role-play. 
So if you can make it into something that's kind of fun, putting sticky notes up on the wall, having conversations, that's gonna probably get them to engage just a little bit more. All right, so Keely, you kind of started this conversation. I think we'll dig more into it. Um, who answers the phone if someone were to call 911? Said Keely, right? Nope. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, the 911 operator is always going to be the person who answers the phone. Uh, if anyone may think it'll be the actual police or a firefighter, it will not be. It will always be the 911 operator who will answer the phone if you do call 911. All right. And when should someone call 911? Um, 911 should be called if there is an emergency, if you feel like, if you're in imminent danger or you feel like there's a possibility that there is potential imminent danger that may occur. Keely, anything to add to that? Sure, some really good examples are things like house fires or home invasions, or if somebody that you love is really badly hurt and you're noticing like a lot of bleeding, that's a really good time for a young person to go ahead and dial 911. Okay. So let's say we have a child that's listening or you're trying to explain to your child when they should call 911. What do they really need to say when they talk with a 911 operator to get help? So when a child is speaking with a 911 operator, um, the best thing to say is to tell them the phone number, the location, the address is very important if they're able to tell the address, but if not, make sure that you're able to actually explain where you are so that they can know how to locate you, um, what the emergency is, and if there are any victims that are involved to be able to describe their condition, if they're okay, or um, the conditions around you, just be able to provide the 911 operator with everything that they'll need to be able to send the first responders out, but make sure that they're being safe while doing so. Yeah, absolutely. And that's tough with especially really young kids. Always teach your kids, though, as much information as they can share about where they are, what's going on, um, what the condition is, just as Jada said, it's going to make it as helpful as possible so that we get the right first responders there at the right time. You know, if, if there's a fire, if there's an incident, if there's blood, I mean, there's all things that need to be explained so that they know to get fire, police, EMS, or whatever it is uh, to get the right people there at the right time. All right, well, I think this might be one of our last questions here. How can children lead or encourage others in their family to kind of move forward with preparedness and get people excited about wanting to participate? That's a great question. So a good way to go ahead and get everyone to take initiative to get prepared for emergencies in your home if you're a young person is to just start doing it yourself. You know, if they see that their kid has already had their emergency kit built out, they're going to think, oh, wow, I really need to get my act together too. And you don't have to spend a lot of money to start to build out your emergency kit. You can go ahead and walk around your home with either a parent or on your own to see what's kind of available that you have to spare. You know, Q-tips are a really good emergency kit item for some people, and you can go ahead and add those. I'm sure there's some extra Q-tips around or things like extra Neosporin or any kind of antibacterial wipes, or if you have extra masks that you want to go ahead and put in your emergency kit, you could do that as well. And if you're a kid watching, you can also 
go ahead and take the initiative to ask your parents or loved ones to go ahead and practice some emergency scenarios with you so that you can get ready. Another thing that we practiced in my home when I was young was we memorized our address because, you know, as a kid, you know where you live, but you might just know what that looks like. You may not know the actual address, certainly not the zip code or things like that. So taking the initiative to go ahead and learn some of the information that you might need to provide a 911 operator with that Jada mentioned is also a good way to take the lead to get prepared. All right, that was some awesome information. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed our VISTA's very first podcast as subject matter experts. They did an amazing job. Very, very proud of them. Um, They don't know it yet, but they will be subject matter experts here again soon. And I know they're going to do an awesome job again. All right, well, be sure to listen in next week when Sakili and I are going to interview the floodplain administrators for Chatham County and the city of Savannah to talk about what your flood zone means and continue down our path of National Preparedness Month. Until then, we'll see you next time, guys. Bye. Bye.